So guys, we did Acts 12, we ended Acts 12 last week, and we're still in the Acts series, but you know what we're going to be speaking about today is something that's been going on and will continue to go on for until Jesus comes again. It's been going on for the past 2,000 years and it will not stop. What I'm speaking about today is mission, the spread of the gospel, the, the good news spreading to different areas making disciples, seeing churches planted, because church planting essentially is the formation of disciples into, into bodies of people. And you guys know I'm passionate about the church. That's why, that's why we came. That's why we've sacrificed a lot to kind of be here. It's for the church. I believe that the church itself is God's plan A for planet Earth, that the local church changes situations, and it is God's plan for this planet. So today, what we're speaking about, we're still in this Acts series, we're speaking about missions. We've come to the end of chapter 12, which is this kind of pivotal point or pivot point in the book of Acts, where you have the first section, kind of like the first five chapters, it's all about the Jewish church. And then up until the end of 12, there's this transitional period where, remember, we've got persecution and people going out to different areas. And it's now at the beginning of 13, where we really begin looking at the mission to the Gentiles. And for the most part, the rest of the book is about Paul and Paul's missionary journeys. So it's a good opportunity to take a pause and and actually look at missions itself. So today isn't going to be such a kind of exegesis type of sermon looking at chapter 13. We'll do that further down the line. Today is really just looking at the heart of mission. And so that's what we've called today the heart of mission. And so before we kind of continue, I just want us to have this moment today to reflect on missions, on church planting. Because it can be one of those things that when when you've got your job and you're doing all that and then there's church and all the stuff that's going on at church, it's one of those things that can, it can be easy to forget that the church that you're in is kind of a mission and or was a mission and that there is a whole bunch of other stuff going on outside church all over the world. Most of us, maybe none of us, you know, are called to go elsewhere to be a missionary. Maybe you guys are here and you feel that actually God's called you here to Hong Kong to be a missionary, to reach this city. And in some ways, we all are called to do that. So in our individualistic kind of cultures, the, the more Western style of culture is that, that kind of culture where it can be so easy to be thinking about my calling, my church, what what we're doing, and the busyness of life in Hong Kong, that it's easy just to maybe not think about it, not engage with this thing, mission. And you guys may have seen the vision video about Destiny Church Hong Kong's vision. Do you know that the vision of Destiny Church Hong Kong has two words to sum up, family and harbor, okay? Family, that we're to be a family here together, that it's a place of great community and I think you know they're the kinds of things a lot of you guys have been experiencing food together eating together being together having this community vibe but also within that discovering what it means to be God's family but today we're really focusing on harbor and harbor actually we we have this vision of harbor because it all originates way back before we ever left Edinburgh and in this conference I'm going back to a guy who's very prophetic, his name's Liam Smith, he stood up and he gave a prophecy at this conference about Destiny Church Hong Kong, so we were about to leave, and he said, Destiny Church Hong Kong said, you will be like a fragrant harbor in the city, in Hong Kong. 
And obviously, you guys know Hong Kong means fragrant harbour, but no one in the UK knows that. And I went to him just to say, look, do you know that? And he's, he had no idea that that's actually what it meant. So at the time, it was such a confirmation for us that this is the right thing. We're in God's path, moving to Hong Kong and doing all that's right. But actually, as well, over the years, this has become not just a confirmation picture, but part of the vision. It's become like a metaphor for who we are to be as a church. And if you think of this picture of harbour, family overlaps with it. And on the one hand, when the picture of harbour is, if you imagine a harbour at kind of dust time, and you've got people there on the docks, it's a place of home, a place of living, a place of dwelling. It's this place, I always imagine this kind of tavern and there's like golden lights inside and there's like music and laughter and feasting coming from, from within. And that's something that's very much part of our heart, that that kind of like, yes, you know, you've come in from the sea and it's just this place of, of joy and, and family. But at the same time, a harbor can be a place of refuge, refuge from the storms of the sea. It's a place of coming into, it's a place of fixing yourself, in a sense, fixing up the ships. It's a place of coming back and resting and repairing but also it's outward focus. The very nature of a harbour is it has a mouth, doesn't it? If it has no mouth, then nothing comes in and nothing goes out. And so the harbour is poised for people who dwell in that place to go out and come back in, go out and come back in. It's a place with an open mouth and lights on for people out in the storms of the sea to be able to see and come into the, the, the life of the harbour. And then also it is a place where people are sent from. If you think over the years, great changes in, in world history that have happened, so many of them are because people have set off from harbours. And so there will be people, maybe much like Jess and I were in Edinburgh and sent out never to return, there will be people, and it's a big part of our vision, that we would see people equipped and trained and developed and sent out to see new things happen around the world. Mission. And so as I share today, I'm going to be focusing on this thing of harbour. Don't freak out in as far as like, that's only part of the vision. We're very much family and here, because sometimes the challenge can come with church, can be, okay, well, we're taking the world, and then it will go so fast that actually we're not caring about the people that we've got. People are getting exhausted and burnt out and tired. That's not, that's not the vision. But today I am just focusing on this harbour side of stuff, this mission aspect on it of it. So it's our heart, you know, that we will become, remember we spoke about the church of Antioch last week, that we'll become like that church in Antioch, this great church that has this heart for mission. The church of Antioch sent Paul out, sent Barnabas out, saw so much of the known world transformed from that one church. It's my hope that there are unreached people groups, that people from here or trained through here will reach, that actually the people who we don't know today in countries we may never go to who will be able to trace their Christian line or their, their roots of salvation back to this place, this building, you few people, you know, on these days, that actually we've got the opportunity to change the world. And that's, that's what excites me. The journey of Destiny Church Hong Kong isn't one of perpetual services or something like that. 
It's one of us here growing as family, but on the missions aspect, on that harbor aspect, seeing the world transformed. And I just thank all of you guys, because it's probably better and more fun and more, like you could be somewhere with smoke machines and lasers and much better displays and stuff like that. But thank you for taking the vision and running with the vision. And I know how much you guys give in time, in energy, in financially as well. So I really thank you guys that you're standing with us within this vision too. So we have a heart for mission. The challenge for all of us today is individually, is do we have a heart for mission? Do we have a heart for this church planting, for mission, seeing the gospel reach the nations? And it doesn't necessarily mean like, if you're not willing to you know, go and live in the jungle somewhere, you don't have a heart for mission. We don't need to necessarily physically go. But as church, you know, as this community of people, my, my prayer is that we would in Hong Kong be known as champions of mission, champions of church planting, that that would be so much part of who we are, so much part of our DNA, and not because of it, it's just our heart, but that we actually see this thing happening. It means we pray for it. It means we give towards these kind of things. You know, I'd love to, in the future, when there's when we've grown as well, I'd love to be able to support missionaries, send guys out into the field. So do we have a heart for mission? And first off, I'm just going to go through two points of why, you know, why have a heart for mission? What's the whole deal with mission? Why have a heart for mission? Number one is it's part of the Great Commission. So Matthew 28, 19... So it says, says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. See, there's this aspect within that of obedience to Jesus. That actually, at its core, mission is about seeing people discover Jesus, seeing people become disciples. It's about bringing people to Jesus, about that light and hope of the gospel being brought into places and areas where they've never heard the gospel before. And sometimes, you know, that can be within communities in a city itself. Sometimes that's out in the middle of nowhere. In Romans 10, 14 to 15, it says, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That's why the scripture says, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. It's the privilege of the church to be in this co-mission with Jesus, taking this good news out to the world to make disciples, go into all the world and make disciples. You know, when, when I first got here, I got an email from Andrew Owen, who's the guy who kind of heads up the Destiny Network. She started it um, 30 odd years ago. And he sent me an email saying, just remember, this is whilst I was looking around trying to work venues and stuff, just remember, that you haven't gone to Hong Kong to plant a church, that you've gone to Hong Kong to make disciples. And it's a real, you know, it's a challenge. It's, it's a real challenge because, and that's actually the, the core of what we're all called to do, make disciples. The church is, right from the very beginning, is a mission-focused people, you know, told to go make disciples. It's an outward focused, inclusive people. So sometimes when people speak about church, there's this kind of like holy huddle that's exclusive and I don't feel like I can quite fit in. There's all these cliques and I can't like, 
that's something we need to challenge ourselves in, you know, especially like new folk coming in as, as it grows, that it's inclusive, that we're outward focused. You know, why have a missions heart? We have a missions heart because we follow the ultimate missionary. Who's the ultimate missionary? Is it Paul? Who's pretty good, right? But really the ultimate missionary is Jesus himself. That we should have the heart of mission because mission is the heart of Jesus. That Jesus himself is that ultimate missionary. That he's sent on a mission to find that which was lost. That's what missionaries do. Go to find the lost. Go to, go to reach the lost. But you see with Jesus, he wasn't just to tell them of salvation. He was to become salvation itself. So he paid the ultimate price to become the missionary, not to tell us, but to save us. Missions have a cost. Missions cost people who go on mission a lot. It costs churches a lot. But actually, all the costs, and we'll look at some of those kind of costs that people have paid over the years, all the costs pale into insignificance when we hold it up to the price that Christ paid on the cross taking the full wrath of God upon himself. When he hung there on that cross, completing his mission, remember right at the end, he says, it is finished. That he took that whole wrath of God upon him so that you and I could be acceptable before God. That the punishment that we should have received because of our sin, he pays so that we could get all the goodness, that we could be given his righteousness and have a relationship with God today. That's awesome. See, if you don't have that, I should look at you guys, I think you all do. You know, if you don't have that, follow Jesus. Ask for that relationship with him. If you, if you don't, if you know people who, who don't have that, that's what we're introducing people to. You know, this thing of counting the costs, sure, for Jess and I, there is a, a lot of costs to come here. There's a lot of things that we don't get to do. But when you look at some other people that have gone on mission, it's just crazy. You know, some of the old missionaries, these guys really counted the cost. They would take their coffins with them when they say goodbye to their families. They'd take their coffins with them because they expected to die out in the mission field. The Moravian Church, you may have heard of them. They, they're an incredible church, kind of the first 24-7 prayer movement. And they actually, they prayed nonstop for 100 years. And these guys had an incredible missionary movement. A huge percentage of the church was always on mission somewhere. And they even, there are stories of Moravian missionaries who would even sell themselves during the African-Caribbean slave trade, would sell themselves into slavery to better reach the uh, African slaves saying goodbye to their families, knowing that they'd never see them again. Just crazy, you know, such sacrifice. There's a couple that I'm going to be seeing next week. Their name's uh, Armin and Comfort. They run Destiny Gombe in Nigeria. And those guys, they were living in the UK. They, they left, um, we left in September and they left in January. So these guys, you know, they could have stayed in Edinburgh. They could have stayed and had a good life, comfortable life, good amount of, like, wealthy and all, all that kind of stuff, but they chose to go back to Nigeria. And they didn't even choose to go to Lagos or something like that. But these guys, they go back, and they, but they don't move to one of the big cities in the south. They move to this place in the north called Gombe. And this is an area under threat constantly by Boko Haram, so much so that they need to, they've gun attacks and things like that, that they need to have scanners on the church doors and security guards hide for the church just to make church safe enough to go to. Why do they do that? You know, they didn't have to. 
they weren't in this position where that was normal for them at the time. Why did they do that? They did it because they counted the cost, and for the people of northern Nigeria, it was worth it. Because you're seeing mission at its heart is always about the lost. It's always about people. It's not about the numbers that we've done or about some kind of, you know, like, this is it, this is an incredible thing that we've done. It's always about the people. Uh, there's a statistic from Baxter that if you bear in mind, it's from 2007, so it's 11 years old. Global populations have changed in that time. They reported in 2007 that 70,000 plus people die every day in the unreached world without Jesus. I find that such a challenging statistic. It's such like a, ah, you know, like we need to be urgent about this. That, that's why Jesus came. That's why we go. It's people. People. Not organizations. Not this kind of, I'm looking for some self-meaning. That, that thing that sometimes comes up a lot in the West to do with like meaning and purpose and calling and things like that. And maybe there's something within what we do there is, but that's not the reason we go and do these things or growing some kind of church brand. It's about people. That's why Jesus came, people, for you and for me. You know, John 3.16, the famous verse, for God so loved the world, right? God so loved the world. It's about the reason Jesus comes is because of God's love. That's why we go on mission. It's for love. And there's almost needs to come a place where our heart begins to break for people to lead us more strongly into missions and church planting, that that has to be the reason we do it. It's not about propagating religion or something like that. It's about seeing people meet with their creator, seeing people meet with God. This mission is part of our co-mission. We do it with Jesus. The co-mission, the great commission, us and God in cooperation, working together to reach the world. So secondly, why have this heart? for mission and church planting? Well, I'm gonna sum it up in one word, the kingdom. Maybe easy way to describe it. The kingdom, because you see, as the gospel takes root in a place, stuff begins to change. As people become followers of Jesus and then they become to form into groups, they become disciples, they form into groups, churches, and the church grows and impacts an area. The culture begins to change because, you see, the gospel working through the church begins to affect and change the very like, fabric of society. Everything changes. And that's one of the great outcomes of mission, one of the great outcomes of mission and church planting, the coming of the gospel. And maybe the best way to understand it is to have a look at the impact of Christianity in the world and what has happened in countries that have really had this growing Christianity within them. First one's a little bit abstract, but actually science. You know, so much stuff that is great today is science, isn't it? So much stuff that's great. Our healthcare, our technology, our communication systems, the fact that to come on mission to Hong Kong, I don't need to bring a coffin. The fact that I'm gonna fly back on Monday and I'll be back here, it's, it's incredible, right? But you know, science rose in the West and not the East. Even though there were some great scientific minds in the East, it didn't flourish, but it did in the West. There's a quote, Whitehead and Oppenheimer insisted that modern science could not have been born except in a Christian milieu, this Christian environment. If you look at many of the pioneering scientists of like great discoveries, they weren't just Theists. They didn't just kind of believe in God in some sense. They were Christians. Guys like Newton, Pasteur, 
Kepler, Pascal, Fleming, Edwards, these guys, incredible breakthroughs, incredible scientific minds. Even today, guys like John Lennox, some of you guys may have heard him speak, incredible Christian. This amazing scientific mind, Oxford professor, and when asked about science and Christianity, he, he speaks about actually, you know, Christianity far from being a problem for science, that Christianity itself gave him his subject, that everything he sees through the lens of Christianity because he studies the created world. Many concepts that are of scientific inquiry are conducive or they're actually expressly Christian. Things like a positive attitude towards the world. This awareness of order, that it's not just chaos, but actually there is a God-ordained order to the world. This view of mankind as superintendents, as having stewardship over nature. And then also, you know, this positive attitude towards progress. Remember right at the beginning, have dominion, be fruitful. Like actually progress and discovering things is right there, right from the beginning. What else? Education. There's lots of stats for this. Couple that's interesting. Puritans, at a time when education, sorry, when literacy rates were very, very low, Puritans had a literacy rate of 95%. A hundred of the first 110 US universities were actually set up to propagate Christian religion. And then also with the US universities, unis like Yale and Princeton actually came out of seminaries. And then we see huge educational reforms across the UK and Europe as well, led by, led by Christians. Social change, if we go right back to the Church of Corinth, Remember those guys were pretty nuts and Paul kind of reprimands them because they've got all kinds of crazy things going on. And Paul's like, you need to sort it out. Well, 200 years later, about in 252 AD, these same nutters are attributed with saving the city of Corinth. It says, the Christians of Corinth saved the city from the plague by responding to the needs of those who were simply dragged into the street. Early Christians as well, in, amongst the Roman Empire, so many things of Christianity came up against the Roman culture and Christians stood in opposition to infanticide. They stood in opposition to the degradation of women. They stood in opposition to gladiatorial combats. And even right back then, they stood in opposition to slavery. In the Middle Ages, the monasteries and the monastic kind of brotherhoods around much of Europe, they served as hospitals. They served as places of refuge. They served as places of learning where scribes were taught. And they also served as this place of advances in agriculture, in architecture. I think the monks invented the champagne, didn't they? There's lots of different advances. You know? Don't drink too much of it, but praise God for champagne. In 1772, if we look at some slavery, you know, real massive social issues that we still feel today, in 1772, slavery was judicially excluded from England. 14,000 slaves are freed. In 1792, conditions aboard the slave ships, they're regulated by law. In 1808, the English slave trade's abolished. In 1831, all European slave trade was abolished. And England spent 15 million pounds for enforcement, even making payments into Spain, making payments to Portugal for them to stop the trade. And then 
1833, slavery was completely abolished right across the British Empire, which led to £45 million, which at the time was a lot of money, in compensation being paid to free 780,933 slaves. And the guys who pioneered this, the kind of top leaders in ending slavery, were Wilberforce, along with Buxton, Macaulay, and Clark, all of these who were evangelicals who were converted under Wesley's ministry. Wesley, Methodism, and that incredible moment in British history. In the 1800s, similar kinds of things where Christians were pioneering prison reform right across Europe to value the lives of prisoners, even though they messed up. Anthony Ashley Cooper, Earl of Shaftesbury, he was kind of styled the evangelical of evangelicals, very like Christian guy. He pioneered child labor laws, prohibited women working down in the mines. He established mental health sanitariums. And then things like libraries and parks were all things that he pioneered. In the 1800s, late 50s, so 58, 59, you see Bernardo's, the largest orphanage in the world, being established. You see William Booth's Salvation Army being established. All these things impacting society, not just in the kind of thought of Christianity, but actually in the lives of people. And then just lastly, I mean, I could literally just go on all day because there's thousands and hundreds of thousands of things about this. But the Christian Missionary Society set up by William Carey, these guys did amazing stuff all over the world. In East Africa, in one generation, they taught 200,000 people to read. You know, massive transformation. They secured in that area the abolition of widow burning the, um, and the abolition of child sacrifice. They brought medicine to the world like hadn't been brought before. And actually, reports say that they founded much of the educational systems in China, Japan, and Korea. There's this quote by R.R. R. Palmer, and he writes this, he says, It's impossible to exaggerate the importance of the coming of Christianity. It brought with it, for one thing, an altogether new sense of human life. For the Greeks had shown man his mind, but the Christians showed him his soul. They taught that in the sight of God, all souls were equal, and that every human life was sacrosanct and inviolate. Where the Greeks had identified the beauty and the good, they had thought ugliness to be bad and had shrunk away from disease and imperfection and from everything misshapen, horrible and repulsive. The Christians sought out the diseased, the crippled, the mutilated to give them help. Love for the ancient Greek was never quite distinguished from Venus, for the Christians held that God was love. It took on deep overtones of sacrifice and compassion. See, that's why we have a heart for mission as well, because it changes the world. His kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. These kind of changes, they're still going on today. They're still happening today. The world's not perfect, right? They're still going on. There's still a bunch of injustices that are happening in the world. There's many organizations that are fighting for it. Fortunately, there are a load of just other organizations fighting for these same kind of things. That thing of goodness has got into culture itself. So today, there are countless organizations that are fighting against things like modern slavery. You know, the Vine, they run the Justice Conference. It's called Justice Asia. And they really are one of the great pulling together pioneering voices against, against modern slavery in Asia. It is hard to quantify just how much of an impact missions and church planting and the coming of Christianity to an area has in so many different areas of personal life, of culture, on law, all these kind of things. So a key part of seeing the kingdom come is missions. So what can we do? So I'll just kind of run into the end. 
what can we do? Well, pray, give, go. Pray, give, go. Pray, you know, prayer is said at a bit at the beginning, it's the most powerful thing. It is the engine for churches. It's the engine for church planting. It's the thing that moves mission. Do you remember I said a few weeks ago about this church network called Redeemed? These guys are the fastest growing network in the whole of the UK. And they go to an area, they pray over an area they're going to plant in for three years nonstop. And then they plant the church, boom, and it, and it explodes. You know, It's incredible. So pray, pray, pray. I encourage you guys, pray for that. Please pull yourselves into that. Even if, like, if you don't know what to pray for, we're a kind of mission. Pray for us. Pray for us anyway. But also look to other missions. If you, do, if you want to be praying for mission and you're not sure how, come and speak to me. You could be praying in general. into Maybe God puts a particular country on your heart that you want to be praying for that country. So I encourage us all, pray, because as much as we can be like, okay, you know, prayer doesn't do anything, prayer really does stuff. William Temple is famed for saying, when I pray, coincidences happen. And when I don't, they don't. So (laughs) I encourage you guys, pray. Because as you pray for missions, as you pray for church planting, things happen. And I challenge you guys, have that heart for mission. Carve out time to pray. Give. Give. It's our hope, especially being in a city like Hong Kong, right? We're a rich place, a rich city, that we would be a great wealthy sending base for missionaries, for church planters, that actually we'd be able to support people who are called to go. And actually doing this kind of stuff costs money. People need to eat. Some countries are cheaper to exist in than others, but people got to eat. Everything pretty much costs. There's a statistic that I put in just to kind of show actually that things cost. I'm not sure if this is talking about globally or just in the US, but it says the total cost of Christian outreach averages 330,000 US dollars for each and every newly baptized person. It was very expensive, you know. We've never had that much and we've seen people save so. But the point is, it costs money. You know, how we spend money, and loads of you guys give. I thank you for that and give to all sorts of things. I came across this really challenging statistic. It says Christians make up 33% of the world's population, but receive 53% of the world's annual income and spend 98% of it on themselves. And I find a challenge in that. I find a challenge in that because, you know, we also have 100% of the news that can save people. We've got to get the word out there. So there is a challenge for us in that personally, is are we giving? But then also as a church, right, as a body, as a, I don't like to call it organization, but as a church, are we giving to missions? That's a challenge for like leadership to be like, okay, we need to make sure that we're giving to missions. And I hope in time, you know, we're going to have finance to be giving and supporting missions, other missions as well, other organizations. You know, guys, we're on mission to Sai Kung, aren't we? We're here. Just to kind of be real, financially, financially, probably for me to for it to carry on as it's been going for like the last, um, since, since I went full time kind of last August, probably we've got another two months where I can do that, unless God steps in and does some incredible stuff, which he's already beginning to do. But, and I'm not saying that to kind of be like, you know, like that, but I'm just kind of saying, be praying, you know, pray for that. Because 
I know as well, kind of sharing that on one hand, and I never like talking about this kind of thing, but on one hand, is that, on the other hand, loads of you guys are giving, and I really appreciate that. That is awesome, because I believe that we can impact and change, change this place, change cycling. One of the things, I wasn't going to preach this, but one of the things to share, we're hoping to do an outreach for families and marriages in the cycling area later in the year to kind of really build up people's homes and families. Whether they come to church or not, it doesn't matter. But these are courses designed so that, they're designed by the Alpha team actually in HDB, but they're courses designed where it doesn't matter if you're a Christian or not. These are just to help build strong marriages, strong homes, strong parenting as well. So missions cost, but it's worth it. It's worth, it's worth the money, it's worth the time, it's worth the sacrifice. And you know, when I go back, it seems God has always done something nuts at this time for the last at least two or three years. You guys, some of you guys who've been with us for a little while, maybe remember I kind of come back from the UK. And sometimes it's a month or so later where I've got the guts to share it. But then I say, you know, I feel God's saying to do this. And it's kind of, so I'm going back anticipating that God's going to throw one of those big leaps forward. I don't know what it's going to be, but I'm anticipating some, one of those big faith leaps he could well throw, throw towards us. But also, it could be not just on me. I mean, it will be on me, but it could be one on us. So pray for me while I'm there. Pray that I be praying whilst I'm there that I hear well and be praying for this kind of next season. So lastly, now is go. Ending where we, be, where we began, Matthew 28:19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. So, some of you may be called to go to another place. Some of you guys may be, who knows? Maybe you guys are called one day to go actually back to your like your home country and and be a missionary or church planter there. Actually, mo- most of Destiny churches are like that. They got the Polish church, Nigerian church, loads of these different churches are actually just people going home. Then they launch the church when they get home. Maybe though, you know, maybe it's different. Maybe you're called to be, maybe you're called onto the mission field to be like Paul, that kind of thing. I don't don't know. But maybe you're called to be someone more like Dorcas, who's reaching people in a more practical, in this city, in a practical, hands-on way. And To be honest with you, for most people, maybe you're called just to be based in the city, reaching the lost, making disciples, because I'd say for most people, that's just that's just the Christian life. Right. And there there are all kinds of different ways of going. But it's possible to go and you go on a mission and you go out to the other side of the world and you travel a long way and you never really go. Like, it's possible to stay in your city and ne- or never leave your city, but every day, go. You see, when Jesus is speaking about this go, you know, he says, go into all the world, make disciples of all nations. The go that he's speaking about in mission has got that aspect of the whole world. But also there's this thing where it's less about distance and covering ground. It's about making disciples. You know, if you go there and then you leave and no disciples are made, then you haven't actually gone into all the world and made disciples. Better to just go down the street and make a disciple because the end goal is disciples. So take action. Maybe this is another way of thinking about it. Take action and make disciples. Maybe, maybe that does mean 
go to the ends of the earth and make disciples. But it may be just walk across the room and see somebody start becoming a disciple. Take action in leading people to follow Jesus. And then disciple them. You know, every single one of us has the ability to reach people that each of us can't reach. Like there are guys you can reach that I would never be able to speak to, that I wouldn't be able to reach. And it's my heart and it's my hope that as a church, as a people, we would all know how to disciple people. I think at the moment, probably a lot of us would struggle with that, you know? And I think that's something that after summer, maybe I need to we need to have a work on and pick up and find time for, because ultimately it's not my job, I think you guys know this, it's not my job to make disciples and then disciple them and then they join in here and you guys maybe sometimes help out with different stuff around a Sunday service, that really the core job is, my core job is to train you guys and equip you guys to be able to reach your worlds, make disciples within them and disciple those guys. But I do also know and appreciate I need to spend time with you guys to, to do that, to learn those kind of things, to learn how to do it. So pray into that, guys. Stir, stir your heart in that. You know, my prayer is that we would grow in this heart of mission, that we're going to see churches planted, other ones in Hong Kong, churches planted around the world, ministries launched, and just look back and just be like, wow, look what God's, look what God's done in this place. Because this moment, you know, Paul has done his stuff. Wesley's done his stuff. Revivals of the past have come and been. But now, their time's passed. This is our time. This is our moment where we can either stand with this heart of mission and see things happen, no matter what part we may individually play in that, or not. See, as we go back into this act series in two weeks' time, I just want us to really be remembering what happened or started 2,000 years ago is ongoing. It's this commission that we can live in every day with Jesus, whether we're going to the ends of the earth or whether we're just going down the street or just across the room. And there's the real, real big challenge is to become missionaries, disciple makers, wherever we may be. And so guys, if today there's been anything that has challenged you or spoken to you, just take a moment, just inquire in prayer just to respond to God. Maybe it's something that you feel, look, I need to make a change. Maybe it's something, you know, maybe you had this real heart for, for mission at one time, and yet the busyness of life and all this different stuff has come in and you've just let that fire die down. Maybe you need to rekindle your heart for mission. And maybe you've never really thought about mission. And actually, I just encourage you, let your heart blaze for the lost not for this new adventure although it is but for the lost for people seeking him remember it says there are many people remember god says or yeah god, the spirit speaks to paul and says there are many people many of my people in the city people who don't know him but who when hearing that good news would receive him there are many people in hong kong maybe today as i've shared You've had like one of those Holy Spirit 
moments where it's just like you feel Holy Spirit saying something and you're just saying, no way, you know, no way can I do that. Uh, kind of the things I was talking about in the summer. So if, that, if that's you, sit on it, pray about it. And if as challenging as it is, and if you want to, share it with me. Let's pray about it and let's do it. Because I can guarantee you all those times that I've had things like that, where it's just like, ah, I don't know if I can do that. That's just too wild. And I've jumped. God has come through in greater ways than you can imagine. So I'm just going to pray. Father, Lord, I, I just I praise your name, God. Lord, I thank you. God, that you've called us, Lord, to this great commission, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that you go before us, that you surround us. Lord, I thank you, God, for this church, Lord, that maybe there are different roles that each of us will take in this, in this journey, God. But, Lord, I just pray for Destiny Church Hong Kong and everything that we have in our heart, God, everything that you have called us to, everything that you've put in, in us for, our, for the vision, this vision of harbor, Lord. Lord, we just ask in the name of Jesus, in agreement together, and we just ask, God, Lord, make it so. Make it so, God, that we would see churches planted, that we would see many come to you, Lord, that we would see things that we can't even understand, God, but that we would see the world transformed because of what's going on here. Lord, I pray that you bring others to us, Lord, who have this heart of mission, have this heart, Lord, to see this world impacted, Lord, see people come to faith in you, become your disciples, and to see the world change, Lord, to see your kingdom come, God, your will done here in this world.